0: Hi, I'm Karen Elliott, and you're listening to the District B-Sides podcast, where you'll hear in-depth conversations with council, staff, and community members to take you behind the decisions that are being made on topics that matter to Squamish. Now let's tune in and join the conversation. Hi, I'm Mayor Karen Elliott, and today I'm joined by Acting Mayor Chris Peniel, Conservation Officer Service Sergeant Simon Gravel, and District of Squamish Wildlife Coordinator Meg Toome, for a discussion on wildlife, what it means to be a bear-smart community, and why it matters, um, and uh, the truth behind some of the most commonly misunderstood wildlife myths. So thanks, everyone, for joining me today. We just closed off, actually, a mayor's drop-in on this topic and heard a lot of great questions um, and comments. And maybe, Meg, I'll turn it over to you. What is what is a question someone brought up at mayor's drop-in that you think is really important for our community to to know the answer to?
1: Um, it was just, you know, like you mentioned what to do if you've got a bear on your property. Should we be scaring this bear away? What's our tolerance level? Um, and I know Simone, uh, you know, talked about one neighbor might be fine with having a bear in the backyard, but three houses over, they've got small kids and they want the children to play in the backyard and they're not so okay with having a bear in their backyard. So um, a bear smart community allows bears to move through. It's It's porous to wildlife movement. If a bear is stopping and staying and finding non-natural food, then we've got to look further and figure out what what are we going to do? How, what, what's attracting this animal? How are we going to keep it moving on? So if a bear is walking through your property, scales the fence, moves along, awesome. If the bear is in your backyard trying to access something, taking a nap, we probably want it to move along. It's 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 keeping them moving through, not feeling comfortable on our properties, um, and and that goes to managing attractants proactively so that we don't have bears coming into our yards in the first place. Um, I think the CO service wouldn't have to deal with um, moving bears along as if, if we could kind of manage our attractants a whole lot better.
0: Yeah, clearly we're the source of the food. Now I know um, our community has been growing, but we also have long term residents. And you mentioned the term bear smart and we're a bear smart community. but. Let's remind people what it means to be a Bear Smart Community. Can you talk a little bit about that program and, and why it's important to us here in Squamish?
1: Sure. So if you go back in history, in about 2014, about 27 bears were killed within the District of Squamish. And a concerned group of residents, along with the conservation officer of service, went and did a presentation to council and said, you know, this is not sustainable. We can't keep killing bears because we're not managing our tractants. And yes the province oversees the management of wildlife but municipalities are um, ultimately responsible for managing the things that bring the wildlife in so um, they decided let's pursue bear smart status and that's a program offered through the ministry of environment and it's a voluntary program for communities to sign up for and there's six criteria you have to fulfill or at least show the province that you're working towards fulfilling so it's a progress it's a process i should say um so by 2005, an education program was implemented within the district, and uh, wildlife attractant bylaw was implemented. Um, over the years, we started getting locks on our totes. Um, all municipal garbage cans were bear-resistant. Uh, additional bylaws were brought on board. Policies were addressed. So by 2010, uh, we applied for Bear Smart certification, and we were accredited by the ministry in 2010. Uh, second community in BC to get this accreditation and it essentially just shows that we are really working hard uh, we're not just you know it's not a flash in the pan we want to continue raising the bar on how we reduce human wildlife conflict and we are being reviewed every five years by the ministry to make sure we're maintaining all of those set criteria and the next uh, assessment reassessment is going to be in 2023 so we just need to show what we've done for the past four five years
0: and where we're heading in the next five years. Thanks, Meg. And You know, it's it's getting people to remember that being a bear smart community comes with a responsibility like that all of us have um, for making sure that we don't have to euthanize wildlife that are in our town. It's I love that idea of making sure our community is a place that they can pass through, but not where they want to hang out and they're not learning bad habits. Um Simon you ha- you had some questions during the mayor's drop in is there one that stood out for you that that you want to share in this podcast
2: Yeah well there's all, there's someone asked about you know why COSR is showing up and just killing the bear and this is a very interesting perspective from the public and it's it's definitely a challenge for us to build trust with the community and make everyone understand the role of and responsibility of COS. And one thing I, I'd like to mention, it's, it's extremely rare that COS is, uh, uh, is informed about a pe- bear presence that will immediately lead to this bear to be euthanized. Uh, it's not accurate. There's a lot of things that we do when we're aware of a bear getting into conflict to prevent this bear to, uh, be, to reach a higher level of public safety concern and be euthanized. And that's the, another good aspect of the bear smart community is uh, the community came together and said, hey, we care about wildlife. And there's no doubt that I don't know a lot of people in Squamish that don't care about wildlife. We all very attached to our surrounding about the wildlife. That's why we live here some, for some of us. And, uh, and, and very specifically to bears because they are culturally a very, very um, a infectious animal to human. We, we, we grew up with teddy bears um bears are culturally we have higher tolerance uh, for black bears than cougars so we we discuss this uh, topic but that let me let me to let uh, led me to think that why people have the perspective that uh, if you call cos will come and kill the bear when we do so much work and we worked over time with the community and the, the district of squamish and many other partners to come up with some solutions to avoid to having to kill uh, wildlife, to euthanize wildlife. The only time we, when we euthanize wildlife, it's when uh, this bear has been deemed uh, a threat to public safety, or if the bear is injured and really suffering. So for human reason, we'll euthanize the animal. Otherwise, we have a lot of tools in our toolbox to, uh, to deal with the situation. And one of them, and that's part of the bear smart community, it's to empower the community to use the bylaw, to use the the communication services uh, to um, engage everyone in the, the fate of this bear and making sure that we take all the steps and take responsible action to avoid this bear to become what we call food conditioned or even very habituated to to human. Those two factors, those two terms that we often use um, are describe an animal that slowly become uh, a risk to public. To the public safety and if everyone loves wildlife and bears and we all want them in squamish and it's a great place for them to walk through nobody really wants a black bear 300 pound or even a grizzly bear you can imagine a 700 pound grizzly bear pushing on your glass window in your backyard so ultimately, if we feed them, if we tolerate them, if we become complacency, complacent sorry, about, about a bear presence in our neighborhood and we don't take the right action to avoid those bears to become in conflict, then ultimately it can lead to the COs to not have any other choices uh, to euthanize such animal because uh, the majority of people really still care about their own safety. Uh, another interesting question that was brought uh, to the table was the relocation question. Uh, someone asked why you just don't relocate those bears. And um, obviously relocation is a, a very interesting topic. Um, there's a difference between, in my world, relocation and translocation. So what we call translocation, it's when we're going to bring in, that we'll capture an animal, a black bear in this um, situation, and bring him in a total different Habitat outside of his home range, so that could be could mean like 100 kilometers from from Squamish. By experience, we know that is very not successful. Uh, likely, this bear will just come right back and have many example and experience with that, because we've tried. You know, we would be crazy to not try. <laughs> over time, in the last 20 years, we try a lot of things, a lot of management options, and the translocation meaning bringing a bear that far has never been very successful and it's never been supported by the biologist either Uh, when you think about this bringing an individual of a black bear population and and transporting it to a different black bear population and total different home range ecosystem then you're starting playing with the what they call population dynamic and that's also not suitable practice there's maybe some exception well it would make sense but if we know that the bear will come back anyway. So this is very invasive measures in terms of uh, managing the black bear population. What we do sometimes it's uh, for the sake of being uh, intervening early in the level of conflict. We might capture a black bear and giving it sh- giving him a short distance relocation, maybe even an on-site relocation, just to teach this bear that he's not welcome and and um, Giving this black bear a negative experience with human, and maybe tagging the bear, and monitoring its behavior closely. So that goes back to the importance of uh, an early intervention regarding uh, black bear management in our community, and that's what being in a smart and a black bear, uh, sorry, bear smart community means as well. It's we have a lot of options, a lot of resource a lot of tools to deal with the situation, to avoid this bear, to become a risk to our resident safety. But that also means that we need to be aware of it. (laughs) So not calling the seal, you play against that initiative. And perhaps the situation will escalate. All those tools we have will not be triggered in time. And when we'll show up, then the bear will maybe have broke a window, be in the house, or even... Uh, reach a level of aggression towards people that cause human injury. And now that gives us very little option in terms of managing this bear.
0: Yeah, I think that's the really thing that came through to me when when you were talking, uh, is that there are options available to us when it's the bear's first incidence of accessing garbage or bird feeder or interacting totally. with humans. We have more options. And as we as we let that bear... Um, or if we don't do the education in the neighborhood, if we don't start to intervene, the options for that bear get narrower and narrower and narrow. So it's well actually said, yes. not reporting. People um, are actually doing a disservice to that bear. I think is what you're trying to say is yes, let exactly. us know. And then Meg can get out there and <laughs> put up signs and talk to people. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Cause what, I guess what you don't want. So you want to sort of, if you're going to relocate that bear sort of locally, you're going to, maybe pick him up from valley cliff drop him in a juicy berry patch a little bit a ways away and then meg you're going to come in and make sure that attractant that he was accessing is gone is that kind of what we're talking about here
1: yes essentially yeah and it's it's just getting people to get off social media for reporting and posting pictures and i've had discussions Endless discussions with residents about if you just could send those photos to the bylaw department, they educate too. But if it's a direct infraction of the bylaw and you're Facebooking it, the people who need to know don't get that information. So not only can the resident not be educated or fined, but then the bears just going about doing the same old thing because no one's tried to intervene. So for sure, um, contacting bylaws, so important, and contacting the CO service, so important. And then go ahead and Facebook it if you have to. Um, but <laughs> yeah. honestly, it really, and that, I think that has really evolved, especially over the past 12 months, where more people are at home, more people are on their devices, more people are needing that connection with people, but it's not doing the bears any good whatsoever.
2: No, you're right. And it is it is difficult to build trust in the community when, also sometimes we do show up too late or we ran out of option and we do have to euthanize an animal and it's very very unfortunate situation and obviously it creates a lot of um, it triggers a lot of emotion and it plays against what i'm trying to convince people to call us because all you know the title in the media is scos just kill another bear and people are frustrated and upset about that. And that doesn't help the situation and I totally understand. So my job is also to build trust uh, with the community and and government in general. It is one of the biggest challenge, to make sure that Mm -hmm. uh, the people we serve are trusting what we're doing and uh, that we're taking the right action. And unfortunately, we also deal with the complex reality, you know, like managing black bears in the residential area. It's not an easy business, <laughs> as you can imagine. Black bears, um, perhaps for some people, that appears to be easy. But uh, in, in my world, uh, we've tried so many things. Um, and unfortunately, there's also some uh, conflicts that are very hard to predict or even to manage. But being a sm- very smart community, that's what it means. It's like, we're gonna look at every options possible and we're gonna work together, not just the people of authorities, but as a community. And that was interesting in the discussion earlier that people wants to play a role. You know, they were saying, oh, maybe, you know, I should be a champion in my community, in my neighborhood to tell people. And we, I, I really like those kind of comments because that's taking ownership ownership of this problem and not just asking the COs to deal with the problem, but not killing the bears, you know, and just making sure that this bear is safe and that's what COs should do. But it's more complicated than that because myself or the bylaw services or even the police, we have a lot on the go. There's a lot going on. There's a limited amount of resource. There's, you know, there's other priorities and without... Working together towards this goal of keeping our bear safe, as a community, and having individual like those individuals, that, those people that were part of the discussion, willing to take ownership of this problem. To me, that's key for our future in Squamish. And I really like to see those people taking, um, being empowered by the uh, some situation or maybe by being upset. You know, and often the, there's trigger points about how this bear has been was killed, why this bear was killed, and what could have done. Would have done better to avoid this kind of outcome, and this is a very, very good discussion for me. And it's very encouraging to see that we have more and more people willing to take this, uh, this, uh, this, this, those initiatives, you know, and talking to your, to your neighbor or sharing their success story as well. Someone was mentioning that he started to bleach and clean his garbage totes. And he says we should tell everyone to do like me, and this is great. This is, you know, like if you have a success story, share it with your neighbor, and uh, share it with the district, with Meg, with myself, with COS, and we'll be happy to look to look into it and promote those uh, good initiatives and solutions.
0: That's great. Um, and Chris, what stood out for you in our mayor's drop-in conversation was there. Uh, an aha moment for you, or a question that really resonated for you, or did you learn something that you didn't know before?
3: Yeah, I think two things. The first, you know, I asked a question about because I, I love being around the wildlife. I love it when I see a bear. Uh, I, I try to be careful. Uh, I'll come back to that piece a bit later, maybe, but uh, love it when I see a bear. And so i have I've had this thought of, you know if we manage the attractants, we're no longer attracting them, can't we uh, coexist a little bit more with bears? because we love seeing them and I think the 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 really interesting point for me is is that when we do that we're still domesticating them and it's not going to usually end up well for the bears and, and maybe not for us either and so you know if if I really care about bears uh, it is important that we we think about being porous uh, but not attracting not just in terms of food but accommodation we don't want the bears to w- want to spend time here and uh, it's also why things like our growth management boundary uh, are important because we are taking up space that has been the bears' territory. Um, but we we aren't in a place where it will work out well for the bears if we welcome them into town. And so it's it's finding that balance. And so thinking about that domestication angle was, um, mm. I think really I said
2: rough. I said bears are maybe not the best roommate. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Uh, they're a bit messy. They're stinky. (laughs) Believe me, you don't want to live with a bear. Uh, They're not the best roommate. Or uh, the term coexisting means, you know, there's a lot of different meanings to it. And obviously, we want to coexist with every species on the planet. So that's the big, the big picture. But on the the small, small picture in in our neighborhood, bears uh, will always walk by in Squamish. You know, but like. Meg mentioned we want our community, our neighborhood to be porous and we don't want them to have any rewards and feel too comfortable because when they start becoming comfortable, that's where the conflict begins. And that's what we want to avoid. We don't want to be responsible for this conflict. So just tolerating a bear and saying he belongs here, he was maybe here before me. Maybe he loves my backyard. I love my backyard too. Bears love a lot of spaces similar to what we like, you know, like every uh so but tolerating this, uh, I think you may use the word being complacent, uh, it's not ideal. So coexisting in terms of like cohabiting, sharing the same space, same, the same neighborhood with black bears, in my experience, it's probably not the best uh, vision because ultimately conflict will um, can happen. And then when those bears can become like a risk to public safety, and mitigating those situations are very very difficult. So coexisting, of course, cohabiting, or <laughs> having bears as roommate, or tolerating their, them in our residential area or on school ground, or then it's a it's a risky path, and that's what you use the term domestication. And that's that's to me, it's my personal opinion, but that's a dangerous dangerous path when we start uh, giving those bears too much space, too much tolerance, too much welcome at a point that we contribute for those bears to become not aware of uh, of us at all, what we use the term, habituated, and perceive our habitat as their suitable habitat where they can find food, shelter, and now all of a sudden we're we're competing for for space and safety. And it's not good for the bears and maybe not good for the residents.
0: So I just want to pick up on that theme a little bit. So over the years, Meg, you know, I've seen you... Um, launch initiatives like, there's a bear in the area, take a leash, leave a leash, right? We know people use our trail system to, um, and walk dogs off leash, even though we are an on-leash community. Um, And, or you put up signs saying, there's a bear in the area, please don't use this trail, we're trying to keep this bear wild. But then you'll see different reactions from people to that, right? Some people respect it, but others don't. And, And what do you think, you know, when people are saying, Oh, I'm not afraid of the bear, or I can be on this trail too. It doesn't matter if I'm here, if there's a bear here. What, what's your reaction to that when people are sort of ignoring those prompts about keeping bears wild and staying away from them to give them a bit more space?
1: Yeah, a great question because, I, you know, and as Simone sees this as well, with public outreach, is, is trying to get people to take the perspective from the bear's angle. Because you're okay with bears and you feel comfortable because you've seen so many bears, that's one thing. But if you flip it and take a look from that bear's perspective it's encountered five six seven people on the trail so far this morning it's we all we all have our individual bubbles um we all have our individual space but you know you're getting too close to making me feel uncomfortable well bears are no different from humans in that regard um every encounter they have with people and off-leash dogs um builds knowledge for them and maybe their tolerance level starts to shift just like ours starts to shift but they're becoming less tolerant of us while we're becoming more tolerant of them so you know recently we've just issued a wildlife alert for a bear that's been charging people and it's a very busy area there's a lot of people there's a lot of um dogs on and off leash and it's just this bear is probably just feeling a lot of pressure so if a trail is closed or if signs been put up there it's 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 to protect public safety, absolutely, but it's also to protect the wildlife from the people and to try and get people to understand that you may be comfortable going under that tape and breaching the trail closure because you feel, you know, worried about bears, but that's not helping the bear in any way because that bear, we're telling you, that bear needs some space and you need to give it that space. So it's just trying to get into people's heads to, to flip the coin a bit and take it from the perspective of the animal, who's just doing its thing, <laughs> trying to keep to itself and is just constantly being pressured, pressured, pressured by humans.
2: Yeah, and that goes back to the trust. You know, when we take those decisions to close the trail or ask the public to keep their dog on leash, and uh, they often don't necessarily trust that we take the right action or to provide this, the right direction to the public because they don't maybe just have the right uh, information or amount of information and that's the challenge with communication and education is uh, making sure that people have the big picture and understand because i'm sure everybody that we encounter that were disrespectful of uh, having of a, a trail being closed for example or something like that if we take the time and explain to them the rational, but often it's a 15 minute discussion <laughs> and then they understand And they're apologetic, and you know, like feel guilty maybe a little bit, and and but so that's the challenge we have, and I think we can do better that way. It's like trying to uh, provide the right narrative and uh, the the use the right word and context and perspective to make people understand why we're taking those actions, and making them uh, to trust us as well. That we have the expertise and experience to an intent. Uh, to make take those decisions for the good of the bear and the people, and it's not up to an individual, you know, uh, to decide if if um, if he can have his dog off leash there or not. But it's we we we're to we're in this together, and uh, we're asking the the community to be on board with our initiative and trying to get their support. But it is that's a challenge, and it's always been a challenge in SMSCO to provide the right information for people to take the right action and That's often great. it's difficult because we have a limited amount of space to, on the sign to educate <laughs> the public or
0: yeah
2: and and tra- threatening people with enforcement often it doesn't do it people are like almost willing to take the fine if they don't understand why because they're not in, uh, they're not necessarily going to want to respect a uh, trail closure that they feel entitled to use if they don't understand the the why, the rationale behind it.
0: Okay. So we know, um, so I just, I'm going to draw our little podcast to a close here shortly, but mm-hmm. um, we know that people generally want to do the right thing. And we know that education can help them get there. And we've passed um, a recently updated wildlife attraction bylaw. So maybe just, we can go through um, some of the, the mistakes people make or some of the knowledge we want them to have. So, Meg when can people put their totes out organics garbage (laughs) when can they be on the road when they can they not Great. so
1: you can only put your totes out for collection which means you can put them at the curb and unlocked on the day of collection as early as 5 a.m they must be removed from the curbside by 7 p.m and they must be locked so in between collection times and in between depositing your organics or your garbage in your tote, the totes, if you're storing them outside, must be locked at all times, even if empty. They cannot go out the night before collection. I understand there's lots of shift workers and they may, maybe come home at two in the morning and wheel the totes out. And they keep them locked because they think that's okay, but that's not okay. It's still in contravention of the bylaw. Bears often come down the street at night and knock over totes, and it gives them time to break in. Storing totes in garages will go a long way in keeping them out of sight, out of mind affairs. If you have that, you'd have to reduce odors. Of course, you want to work really well on odors. And if you cannot store your tote inside a garage or shed, we ask that you try to tie it down so they can't wheel it away. Um, So yeah, do not put your tote out the night before. If you're going on holiday or it's a long weekend coming up, go to the landfill with your garbage, make an extra trip. Take your organics to Queensway at GFL. They have an organics dumpster. You've got one at the front of the landfill. You can take your organics there before you go on holiday. Ask a neighbor to take your garbage out for you. So yeah, do not put your garbage out the night before
0: collection. Great. Unlock it on the morning log. <laughs> How high does clear. my bird? Yeah, that's very clear. How high does my bird feeder need to be? At least
1: at least nine, ten feet off the ground. And, and don't she... just don't hang it from a tree because they climb trees. Okay. Good. And really important too, if I can <laughs> add, I know we're running out of time, but put a catch tray underneath because a lot of people just have the bird feeder and the seed just drops. And then you've got rats, raccoons. You're right. And then you've got predators feeding on your bobcats and coyotes. And we had a bear and a bird feeder overnight in Valley Cliff because,
0: again, it's accessible. So
1: food Ooh. chains, you got to think of food chains. Food chains. Okay.
0: Uh, lots of people um, complain about the smell in their organic spin. What's your top tip on? having non-smelly bins that attract bears
1: tip if you are a meat eater or a fish eater take the scraps wrap it up in some paper towel or use a paper bag and find a little space in your freezer for it it will freeze right away it reduces odors and you will not get maggots in the summertime number one and then rinse 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 clean out your garbage and i also go as far as with the meat wrappers i'll rinse the plastic if it can't be recycled it goes in the garbage clean the disposable absorbent pad in a meat packet goes into the freezer in a plastic bag. I just use an old sandwich or bagel bag. So that's frozen too. And then I rinse the meat tray for the styrofoam for future recycling. Yeah, so there's steps it. that you can take. <laughs> Takes Those a little bit more tips. effort, but it's a habit. It's all about creating new habits.
0: Um. Okay. What are other errors that you see people make that uh, I haven't asked about? um if
1: your garbage or organics tote is broken in any way shape or form if the locks aren't working you are in the new bylaw that was um, passed you are responsible to contact gfl for a free replacement if it's if it's wildlife related or just general wear and tear um they are doing an awesome job in getting those repairs done quickly so yeah if you've got a lot take a look at your tote take a look at it look and see if the locks are working and uh, contact them if there's anything wrong with them because that's a lot a lot of broken totes out there
0: oh simone mentioned something fruit trees what's a best practice if you've got fruit trees in your yard
2: because fruit trees
0: some people think that's natural food but that is like a smorgasbord for a bear that wouldn't just (laughs) appear in the forest for them that's a domestic food so what's the best practice around fruit
1: trees um, pruning is key over the winter get it to a manageable size so that you can actually harvest the fruit and you're not leaving scads of them up top because bears are excellent climbers and they'll clean that for you. Um, So managing them over the winter, pruning them to get them to a manageable size. If you've got too much fruit, what you should consider doing is uh, power washing some of the blossoms off just to reduce the harvest size. A lot of people just cannot keep up with the fruit production. Obviously open it up to other people coming in and helping you pick the fruit. You've got neighbors who want the fruit, let them in and let them pick away. Um, and electric fencing is the other option. So just prior to harvest time, put up a portable electric fence. So it only stays up there for a couple of weeks and you can remove it and that protects your um, your crop. Can you get a portable electric fence in Squamish? Yep. Home hardware, I believe. There's Margo supplies. There's lots of different resources for people. And it's just, it's portable. So you, you can even get a solo powered one and you would just use it for a period of time until you harvest your fruit and then you don't need it the following year.
0: Great. Did I miss anything? <laughs> Chris, What's clear? Small?
2: One thing that is clear it's uh, living with bears, it's a lot of work. <laughs> we yeah. ask, you know like if you're from the city and you never lived with bear and you arrive in Squamish and like whoa okay I need to do this I need to do that what do? What? <laughs> so we're asking a lot obviously but it, you know it has to be part of our culture it has to be part of our normal behavior and it's just a habit you know for our kids if you have kids and they grew up in Squamish they know all this and it's just part of their life and that's great for the next generation to see that it's just becoming a way of life and That's what we encourage people, just, you know, cultivating this way of life, those habits to secure attractants, to not have fruit trees, to to not be the reason uh, for a a bear conflict. It's a lot of work, but when it becomes your daily business, then it's not that much. Like recycling, you know, like when recycling started in, I don't know, it was in the 80s, it was so much work. Mm. People were like, oh, I don't want to do this. Uh, Everyone recycles now, and it's just natural you know it's just a, a regular part of our, our daily b- business so living with bears i hope that the uh, residents are moving in squamish and even existing or long-term resident are just building in this uh, this behavior into their day-to-day life
3: that's I wonderful think, chris yeah i think for me it just um reminded of the aware part of bear aware riding home from the community the whole meeting yesterday on um the uh the commuter trail i uh, saw a guy ahead of me pull out to loggers lane and i thought why the heck is he doing that it's it's a beautiful trail why would you go on the road uh and then i rode along and i saw this chubby dog and kind of grunted when i rode past and then i saw a jogger and said, oh did you see the bear i was like oh that was a bear and then the guy on the bike got back on the trail and said did you see the bear and and so i didn't have headphones in but i was very obviously not aware and not paying attention like I should. And and so it's that reminder of being aware of our surroundings, our attractants, just everything we're doing. I would would be devastated if something happened to that bear. And so, um, yeah, just a reminder to really be thinking about things like Meg said earlier from the bear's perspective and the impacts we're having uh, is just so important.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, Go ahead, Meg.
1: I often tell people just to expect to encounter wildlife anywhere in Swamish. Just expect to do it. Have it role played in your mind, turn the corner if there's a bear or a cougar there, what am I gonna do? So just, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's where we live and I wanna thank everyone for their contributions. And I know we could have a longer conversation. I mean, we didn't touch on hens or honey or the impacts <laughs> of recreation and camping um, in, in our corridor, but um, we do have some good resources on our website. So Meg, um, if people wanted to learn more, where would you send them for more information? Squamish.ca backslash wildlife. Great. And where do we report bears? So we talked about, hey, don't don't hesitate to reach out. So if you mm-hmm. know there's a bear active in your neighborhood and you've seen it in your backyard or getting into totes, where should people report that? So certainly to bylaw.
2: Yeah, if it's, there's an offense related to attractants, like a garbage issue, if you see a, a neighbor that was not receptive to your comment and he uh, keeps putting his garbage totes the night before, then that could be reported to bylaw and they have the capacity to either, you know, talk to the na- the, the resident and the issue even a fine. Um, so that can be reported to by Otherwise, if you have bear activity in your, in your backyard, reporting to the Conservation Officer Service, and as I mentioned, that triggers the full toolkit. When we know there's a bear in the neighborhood, Meg is aware, the communication department, the, the the bylaw, the police, the conservation, we're all gonna work together with the community to make sure this bear doesn't get in trouble. So it's important to report it to the COS. And I guarantee you that you can trust that we, that's the Squamish, there's a lot of people working together to make sure those bears are remaining safe.
0: Do you have that number handy?
2: Yeah, it's the 1-877-952-7277, 24-7. It's a call center. They'll take your information and I'll get a beep on my phone and I'll get all the information I need to uh, trigger the full, uh, sometimes we call it Bermagadan, so <laughs> the full response <laughs> to make sure that uh, this bear doesn't get into any conflict.
0: Wonderful. Thanks so much, everyone. And thanks for all the work that you're doing in our community to keep bears safe um, but also humans educated on our role of being part of this bear smart community and the more we do as humans the more uh, bears uh, get to move through and and live um not with us but you know that that broader coexistence that doesn't create conflict
2: (laughs) we don't want them as roommates we do
0: not want them as
2: roommates
0: (laughs) thanks everyone for your time today Thank
2: thank you thank you very much